0: PH5! Poof, poof, poof. The PH noise is decidedly difficult to make without some sort of vowel to directly follow it. I just learned. Hello everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of PH5. Um. I don't know what episode this is, It's, uh, it's it, we're getting up there though, probably like episode 40 or 41, um, okay I've checked my notes, we are on episode 7, welcome to episode 7, a lucky number in many cultures, um, and unlucky number in many others as well, uh, did everyone enjoy their July? I did, um, I guess. July was, a. (laughs) believe it or not, it was a weird month. Uh, I I basically had the entire month of July off in between semesters uh, at this program that I'm currently enrolled in. And I didn't really have anywhere to go or the funds to really do anything. at all, really. So, yeah, it was just kind of doing the same day over and over again. Felt a lot like last year, you know, it was a very 2020 month for sure. Uh, I did play a show, which was cool. My first in three years, I think. And I, I, It wasn't supposed to happen. The guy who was hosting it actually canceled like, a few hours beforehand. So, I just said, fuck it. Fuck this shit. Uh, I need to... (laughs) I need to be the center of attention. I've been counting on it. So, I... called up this guy, who I know from my school, this wonderful young man named Liam, uh, who lives in Ajax. So, you know, some 41 and this guy are cool with each other, probably. And he has all this gear, and he came, and I rented a mixer from Long McQuaid, and we just uh, we did the show here in my house, here on the deck. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I learned that, I mean, let, let me explain what happened, and hopefully you can follow my logic here which there admittedly wasn't much of but uh i i wanted to have a really high energy set and i knew i was going to be playing for over an hour so i was like i'm gonna get i'm gonna get thirsty you know like i'm gonna be dehydrated because i'm gonna be moving a lot and sweating a lot but i also want to be drinking to kind of stay nice and loose so i can do all the stupid shit that i want to during the set um So, I was like, I know what I'll do, I'll just mix tequila and Powerade, you know? Best of both worlds, get the electrolytes, and the booze, and, you know, they cancel each other out, right? And you're good to go. Yeah, uh, I mean, you are probably sitting there shaking your head, because obviously that's not how it worked out. And I must have secretly known that's not how it was going to work out deep down, but... Um, Yeah, it makes for uh, an interesting anecdote to share in my podcast, at least. Anyway, so, yeah, it was uh, basically a full mickey of tequila. And uh split between two bottles of Powerade. And I drank them both within, like, the first half hour of the show. And, uh, you know, you can kind of under... You can expect that to go where, uh, you'd expect that to go, you know? So, the set was almost done, and I was kind of, like, dance flailing, as one does, and I, I tripped on a cord, and uh, my computer came flying off of the, the, uh, the, the barbecue that I was using as a makeshift, uh, like, DJ booth table thing and my com- computer came flying off the barbecue and hit the ground and the screen shattered, cutting the set short by about 15 minutes or so. So I, I did play the last few songs off my cellular phone, but it, it's not the same, you know, there was a whole, everything had transitions and it was mixed a certain way, but you know, it's all good. And I don't even really remember the end of it anyway, so who cares? I do remember the good stuff, Um, and that's really all that matters. So yeah, that was my July. July was a weird month in terms of music releases, as many are, as I'm learning, Um, in that like nothing good came out this month until the very last day of the month when... Like a storm of shit gold, which I mean, I don't know why I went with that particular uh, phrasing there, but I was thinking like a shit storm of new releases, but that makes it sound like it's a bad thing, so it's like you know, gold is a good thing so like a, a, a shit gold I guess is what I ended up saying which doesn't really make any sense or solve any of the problems I was trying to Uh, solve by picking one of those two words um yeah so you'll notice in this episode uh actually i think three of the five of the five you know the titular five are albums that came out just a few days ago uh the very end of july so the first few weeks were rough Um, Fortunately I had the set to kind of focus on and so I was just listening to a lot of my own music trying to figure out how that would fit into a live setting and listening to a lot of old Eve's Tumor and stuff like that. So you know in in some ways having kind of a drought of new releases is nice because you can revisit old stuff or you know delve deeper into things that you're already familiar with um, but I just also really like good new music. Uh, call me a psycho for that. Um, so it, you know, I would prefer to just have a, a steady onslaught of shit gold. So, that was a fun little rambling intro. Why don't we get started on the episode? So, once again, this is Phil May with... Ph five. Thank you for tuning in for the uh, double checking. Yes, that's right, seventh episode. Okay, so um, we're gonna switch things up this week and actually start with the number five album. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, just kidding. In that, like, it's not a switch up. That's what we do every week so number five for this week is wild hund by lantlos okay yeah everyone's at home thinking oh he's starting off with the big guns eh?" <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so as you're all super familiar with i'm sure um lantlos is a german kind of one-man band though there's other guys in the band, but you know, these one-man bands are one guy taking the credit for all the other people's work. Um, anyway, from Germany, don't know if I said that or not, but you know, I guess it's really important for some reason for me to let you guys know that they're from Germany. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they were kind of one of the first of these posts black metal bands that came out of Europe, Um, similar in a lot of ways to kind of the trajectory that Alcest had, where they started off as somewhat, you know, fairly traditional black metal band and then slowly started incorporating a lot more elegance. Uh, They are elegant, Um, elegant elements, (laughs) sure. Of uh, shoe gaze into the sound and really kind of lightening their sound up. Um, now, they haven't gone complete like hope metal, if you will, that Alcest has. Um, that Shelter album is truly one of a kind and uh, one of the most positive, uplifting experiences that one can have listening to music, which is a weird thing to say about a black metal band. Um, but anyway, more about Lantlose, the actual band we're talking about here, um, yeah, they gravitated towards more of that, what people call, like, black gaze sound that, uh, got really popular a few years ago with Deaf Heaven. now, it's been a long time since these guys have released an album. Uh, six or seven years. And they've come back in a really similar way that Hum came back last year. Uh, with their kind of big comeback record that they released last year. In that, this is kind of like an alt rock shoegaze take on their sound. You know? Um, lots of huge choruses to go along with these swirling layers of guitars and it's a sound that's really reminiscent to bands like failure and deftones um you know songs that are heavy but also you know melodic and catchy and almost like beefed up versions of rock songs uh so this album is very much in that vein Lots of great, you know, effects-driven guitars and, and huge choruses uh, that are in English, not German. Which, uh, I mean, I'm thankful for. I don't speak German, so it would just sound like a lot of really gruff. Um, is is calling the German language gruff considered off-base? Uh, I mean, it kind of is. I'm sure even. Germans would admit that um but yeah it's it's melodic I don't want to say catchy necessarily that is kind of the one faults that I have with the record is that it's a it's a great kind of heavier rock album but not necessarily a ton of hooks per se the whole thing just kind of washes over you uh which is fine I mean it, it is kind of like a A shoegaze type record for sure which washing over you is basically the entire point but it just means that a lot of songs don't necessarily stand out um so it's one of those album albums for sure that you just kind of want to put on from start to finish and experience the whole thing as a whole uh which is again, kind of a compliment and a detriment to it. A compliment because it does sound great. Like, it's just a great sounding record from start to finish with no real bad songs or anything like that. Um, But again, to kind of take away the fact that no songs necessarily stand out. So if you're a playlist person, which honestly fuck you if you're a playlist person, like. the hell is wrong with you you know consume art as it was meant to be consumed just kidding do whatever you want to do Um, yeah you're not going to really find any songs to kind of pluck out of this record to listen to on their own so don't do that then just listen to it from start to finish because it's still a great album so that is Wild Hunt by Lantlos coming in at number five Okay, so coming in at number four, we've got Same Energy by Busy Banks. So Busy is a drill artist out of Brooklyn, I think. Damn, I should look that up. Because if he's not, I'm gonna be awfully embarrassed when uh, he comes for me on Twitter. Let's see here, where are you from? Biz. Oh, he is from Brooklyn. Wow. Sometimes you just gotta trust your instincts, I guess, right? So, Busy Banks, Brooklyn Drill Wrapper, um, fresh new mixtape called Same Energy. Now, I wanted to specifically uh, talk about this mixtape for two main reasons. Um, so, Brooklyn Drill is a kind of flavor, if you will, of rap that basically... It, the drill scene started in the UK, kind of an offshoot of a grime out there. And for reasons that me not being kind of a hip-hop sociologist... Uh, got really popular in Brooklyn and Brooklyn kind of created its own mutated version of the genre and became really popular with uh, lots of upcoming artists such as 5 4 in and the late great Pop Smoke so that's where Pop Smoke kind of got his fame from you would be Hard-pressed to know that if you didn't kind of already know nowadays Because of the way that pop smoke has been kind of Used by the industry since he died Um, Which is kind of the first reason why I wanted to talk about this album by biz is also kind of to talk about the pop smoke thing because Pop Smoke was so special because he represented the crossover for Brooklyn Drill in the mainstream. And he represented someone who could actually bridge the gap and make Drill pop. Um, But, you know, he was always very keen to stick to the genre too and not kind of sell it out. Uh... So, in July, we saw the release of the second posthumous pop smoke record called Faith. And I, I, it's really sad what kind of the music industry, because I, I don't know who's specifically to blame here, but what they've done with this guy since he died. They've cobbled together whatever recordings they could find, kind of created their own extremely watered down, extremely, you know, radio friendly fan servicey album that I'm sure he would have never allowed to see the light of day. Um, and it's 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 just it's it, it's a tarnishing of him and his legacy and of the genre on mass I'd say because he could have really taken drill and made it something popular without having to kind of compromise it in ways that we've seen you know artists such as I don't know the Migos back in the day did with trap Um, you know they with culture they kind of dominated the charts with that record because It was such a amazing crossover version of trap music that didn't compromise the integrity of the sound at all it just kind of made it the best it can be so that you know more people would enjoy it and pop would have done that you know he basically was already doing that so to see the way that there's like hardly any real drill songs on the Pop Smoke album. So his identity gets lost. The genre kind of gets lost because the genre was on the verge of that big breakout moment, too. And think of all the artists, the drill artists that were, you know, hopefully gonna cash in on that wave and then gonna ride on the wave of pop success. That. Aren't gonna be able to as much now because drill hasn't penetrated the way that it was supposed to because of pop um Anyway, so it's just kind of sad What's happened with the genre because of what really could have happened if uh, he hadn't unfortunately passed away So on one hand you have you know the second posthumous Pop Smoke album that's just this awful just kind of a joke really kind of laughs in the face of him and the genre but on the other hand you have the release of this record by Busy Banks and no one's really kind of filled the gap from where Pop Smoke left off In terms of bringing Brooklyn Drill to the mainstream, because no one hasn't, no one's really been able to do it as good as he did in order to get to the point where crossover was something that could be obtained. Um, Busy's not there yet, but he's getting close. I'd say this is probably the best full Brooklyn Drill project that's come out since. Uh, one of the Meet the Woo installments by Pop Smoke. So it just means that, you know, the genre is still alive, it's still thriving, and there are still artists out there who are mining away at it and trying to get to that gold that obviously lies within it. And, you know, Busy Banks really does it on this project. It's uh, There's one kind of shitty p Rock featured R&B song on here that's an obvious label like mandatory, you need to have this on the project. They get it out of the way quick and early and the rest of the album is just pure raw Brooklyn drill and just bars after bars by uh, Busy Banks. And it, it just sounds great, there's so much energy um, he has uh, so much charisma and It's just a good sign for the genre, you know? And that, that, at the same time that this kind of lifeless shell of Pop Smoke's album came out, this also comes out to breathe life back into the genre. So at number four, Busy Banks. I'm not saying he saved Brooklyn Drill, but maybe he did. Maybe that is what I'm saying. Same energy. Okay, so. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Number three. Um, number three is actually a first for PH-5, which is super exciting. Um, cue those horns. Great, okay. Uh, number three is the... And I want to apologize because I have no idea how to say this word. The Asymptotic World EP by Eve's Tumor. Um, For this episode, we're calling them EP's Tumor. Because their EP is the first EP to appear on the podcast. I'm not an EP guy, alright? I think that I want to be served a meal. And... If I want a snack, I'll listen to a song and there's no real in-between for me, you know? These... kind of half meals... I just want more. But... you know, it's not like a snack where... It's just kind of something tidying me over. It's, it's this weird in-between that... I can't really get into. And... I have this... ...stupid notion in my head, and I know it's not true, but... ...when people release EPs, to me... ...I've always interpreted it as like... ...okay, like, here's an idea for an album that we... ...wasn't quite good enough to flesh out into a full album, so... ...here's just like a... ...chunk of an idea we couldn't quite figure out, or like... ...here's just a few songs we made put together you know um again this is just my own weird bias but in my head i I don't feel that same cohesion from eps as i do from those you know mm, those good smacking thick full lengths yahoo uh i even i think it's even just a naming thing because geez i mean that Vince Stables Stables Vince Stables is uh what he'll call himself when he goes country. Um the Vince Staples album uh Vince Staples from last month. Was that last month? I think it was. Um That thing was only like twenty something minutes long, but called it in albums, like a full length, so in my head I still give it the same artistic weight as I do. With say, an hour long album, because it's called like they they call it bad, but when when something's just, like you go out of your way to call it an EP, I automatically don't regard it as high as an LP. you know and and I'm not saying I'm right in doing that. In fact, I'm wrong for doing that because I had this discussion with uh, our old friend Matt Bankoty, previous guest on the show. Uh, We had a discussion the other day about EPs, and I was like, there's no good EPs, and he's like, well, there is. Um, He said, Broken, by Nine Inch Nails, is a classic version. And, anyway, this one is, I should probably talk about this actual album at some point, eh? Sorry, this actual EP. So, this is Eve's... This actually comes right after last year's uh, Heaven to a Tortured Mind, and a few years before that, Safe in the Hands of Love, which is... uh, Eves is on an amazing run right now, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Starting with Safe, even before that with Serpent music, uh, they were making some really, really interesting music, And then all of a sudden, Safe in the Hands of Love came out, which is one of the most, like, bafflingly good records to come out in the past little while. And I mean bafflingly good because it's just kind of unexpected. Like, this came out of nowhere, you know? This, you know, pretty acclaimed noise and ambient producer all of a sudden putting out this, like, alt-rock-inspired they're like full-blown songs not just you know kind of weird productions it's it's a it's it's one of the more interesting musical leaps in recent memory and from there uh they went on to release again last year "Heaven to a tortured mind which is this like very prince-like kind of rock and roll, but also not... It's very difficult music to kind of describe, because for sure uh, Eve's Toomer, who is the artistic name of Sean Bowie, is certainly a rock star, and you always get that impression listening to their music in the last little while, that that's where... You would say they feel comfortable positioning themselves... But the music they make isn't as easy to pin down as... Simple rock, because... It's more like... The idea of rock sampled... And... Kind of recreated in a new image. But they've been edging closer to kind of rock and pop and full-blown anthems and whatnot uh over the past few years uh opening track to last year's album uh, gospel for new century is now that is a rock song hundred percent uh the makeup of the song isn't necessarily as much of a rock song is what you'd think, but it's the only thing you think when you hear it. And it's it's got a great hook. It's everything you kind of want out of what you think as a rock song, at least in terms of feel. Maybe not necessarily in all the specific designs and components of a rock song, but it really feels like one. and. With this new, kind of, surprise EP that just came out... Uh, one thing's for sure. <clears throat> um, the one thing that's for certain is that... They want to continue making rock songs. And they're getting better at making rock songs. But... It's not as simple as all that. So... The EP opens with Jackie, which is... I mean, this song could be on the radio. I'm surprised it it isn't on the radio at this point. Um, it's, it's, it's a pop rock song, through and through. Um, elements of pop punk in there, which is... And I'll be touching on this later. You know, the sound of the moment. And it's just hook after hook, huge chorus. So... I think with this song, the statement of intent is very clear. And it's that Eve's tumor is coming for the charts. Um, They're no longer this shadowy, you know, like ambient noise producer that's content to remain in the underground. Um, No. They wanna be no longer just an image, like a, a copied. Mutated version of a rock star. No, they want to be a rock star. And this song is massive enough to get them there, I think. Amazing song, and it's followed up immediately by Crushed Velvet, which is another just massive song. Huge hook. Big choruses. So, at this point, we know that they can make these songs. Um... So I feel like this is a taste of what's to come. But before you go ahead and start thinking, okay, that's it, they've fully crossed over and are now like making pop music, the next two songs afterwards are very strange. Really weird songs that kind of completely dispel the notion that they're a pop artist at all. Because the one is like a really noisy post-punk track and then the other one is just a, kind of an, an industrial freakout that kind of verges right back on the noise thing. Um... Now... The... first few songs are really great with the huge hooks and everything, but... what I actually find to be the most interesting song on the entire EP is the last song. Um... What's it called? It's like... Rebecca or some... some... some shit like that. Uh... Anyway, it's the last song in the EP, and it's really interesting because It kind of starts off with this really straightforward, really catchy, just kind of snotty Blink-182 pop-punk hook And you're like, okay, like this is them doing You know, another kind of pop-punk inspired thing, you know, and you kind of know where it's going But then it just kind of veers off in this weird Noise category that really sounds a lot like the music Eve's was making before this whole uh, new chapter arose And the pop punk part kind of comes up in the background again later But the majority of the rest of the track is kind of this kind of ambient noise That kind of goes back towards punk, but then kind of not and it ends on this really strange, quiet note with a little bit of spoken word. And it's really, really interesting because it feels kind of like something completely new that I certainly haven't heard before. But it's almost kind of like what Eves has been doing the past few years or the past few albums has been tapping into this new idea of what popular genres can be and what they can sound like and what the people who are the faces of those genres can can look like and for all of their successes I really feel like this is kind of the hidden gem of them all um, I hope this weird mix of really catchy poppy mixed with ambient noise continuing to mix with like straight up rock and roll tropes i I hope they continue going down this path and i know they will um there's certainly the opportunity that they could just venture off and go even poppier and kind of embrace that crossover and you know see what happens from there but i think they're really on to something that's and it's really outlined by this last song An interesting glimpse into a potential future. That's how I'll describe it. Anyway, so that's number three. Again, first ever EP for pH 5. It is The Asymptotic World by Eve's Tumor. All right. Time for everyone's favorite worst soundbite ever. These are the mentions. These are the mentions. Okay, so... Let's talk about the mentions. Um... I'm gonna try to go a little bit quicker through these. I'm realizing I am in super ramble mode, and I'm already almost at 40 minutes, and... We're basically not even halfway through the show yet. So I'm gonna try and tighten it up a little bit, but I might also forget to do that, or I might spend all that time that I've saved tightening it up in a long-winded explanation on how I'm about to tighten things up, thereby canceling out the entire purpose of doing so to begin with. Who knows, anything could happen here on PH5. So, we will start off with the Dishonorable Mentions. Mentions? Um, yeah, I'm going to do two, okay? And, and I was just talking about how I wanted to tighten up. And I just am going to do two Dishonorable Mentions. So, this is a factory of contradictions. So, first Dishonorable Mention goes to... and. Again, these are records that I was probably excited for or was very interested in hearing that didn't do it for me for whatever reason. So that's why there's I wanted to bring up two because there were two records that did that to me this month. Two records that hurt me. And uh, you know, in this world of call out culture, I want to embrace that and call them out for doing so. so. First record is "House of Lull, House of When" by Alexis Marshall. So this is the first solo album from the frontman of the band Daughters. Uh, none of them are actual daughters; they're all men. Um, so, like, weird name, guys. Uh, so first solo album. Now, if you know Daughters, they make this kind of harrowing post-hardcore I guess it's really impossible to describe Uh, but they had a big comeback album um, two years ago uh, that really saw them embracing industrial music and kind of sludgier slower paces and on that record the frontman sounded just as deranged as ever um, if not even more so so what we have here is a record that basically sounds exactly like a daughter's record, but without any of the really interesting instrumental flourishes that make them such a unique band. Um, listening to this record, you really get an idea of what makes Daughters special, and you realize it's really not as much of Alexis as you think he thinks it is Um, the absolutely insane guitar work of their guitarist is really 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 missing here and you realize how much you listen to Daughters records for his extremely unique style of playing Um, and yeah Nick Sadler man like we really miss you here dude makes you realize how vital his guitar is to all of those old Daughters records. And the drummer on this record is the same drummer from the band, but there's very little traditional style drumming on this record, which, so you don't really get to hear his signature sound either. And, um... What made the last record really special was kind of the attention to low end that the previous records hadn't seen so again that really special unique groovy swingy bass that kind of um exemplified all the highlights of the last record not here either and you're just kind of left with alexis kind of moaning and caterwauling over random noises Um, and, I don't know, maybe something like this would have appealed to me, like, 15 years ago. But, uh, I'm an old man now, and I just, I'm just not into it. (laughs) Uh, I, I was really looking forward to it. Daughters is probably one of my favorite bands, now that I think about it. And this was disappointing. It's it's just all the magic is gone and you're listening to it. and You're just kind of like Like why you know? So first of the dishonorable mentions is House of Lull House of When by Alexis Marshall And second Is the newest Dark Side record Spiral So I listened to this album probably like six times uh, It was kind of in that Early period of July, when nothing really came out, and I was just desperate for new music and, and something good. So I threw this record on because I'm a huge Nicholas Yar fan. Um, you know, his record, uh, Seniza's from last year was my second favorite record of the year. Um, the first Dark Side record was, was great. So naturally you think this would be something good and exciting, but I threw it on, I listened to it, it's kind of like okay, not really sure what just happened. put it on again and again and again and I listened to it over and over again and every time the record would finish and it would completely fail to leave any sort of impression on me like. I can't remember anything that happens on this record. And it's not a short record, it's like an hour long, so I've listened to like... six hours of this stuff, and I still couldn't tell you what happens in this record. There's no real memorable moments, there's no... there's no hooks, there's nothing... there's nothing really all that interesting going on the entire time. And I know that's, you know, it's a psychedelic rock quote unquote record um, and it's just kind of something you're supposed to vibe out to but like like something interesting has got to happen at some point and I just nothing happens on this record it's really disappointing because Nicholas Yar is dope I know he can make fascinating music this just ain't it so Second Dishonorable Mention is Spiral by Darkseid. Okay, so the Mention, again, a record that I want to bring up, not for any reason in terms of quality, but because there's something about it that I wanted to talk about. Um, Believe it or not, again, there's uh, two of these again. Uh, I'll I'll go through them quick, I promise. So, they're connected, which is why I wanted to kind of talk about them together. So the records are, um, Lately I Feel Everything, which is a hilarious title, by Willow, and the new Billie Eilish album, Happier Than Ever. So, why- what? What do these two records have in common? Not too much on the surface, for sure. But, there's something going on here, and it's really interesting, and I wanna kinda bring it up almost as a PSA for everyone. Just kinda keep an eye out. So, I don't know if you've noticed, but Travis Barker has somehow become like, the most influential guy in music it, it doesn't really make any sense he's like almost 50 the almost 50 year old drummer of a pop punk band from you know a decade or two ago is somehow everywhere right now and that's because folks everything is a cycle and we all exist on a massive cultural pendulum and right now we are currently in the middle of the swing back from what has dominated the past little while in terms of culture what am i talking about so willow willow smith that is daughter of will smith jada pinkett smith brother of Jaden Smith um, has obviously been making music for a long time now. She somehow got a hit at the age of 10 with the song Whip My Hair. And she's been making um, extremely bland R&B music for quite some time now. This record is interesting and notable because it is a significant departure from that sound. And uh, it's basically a straight-up pop-punk grunge album. So, what's going on here? Why is Willow making this style of music? Um, Have you noticed how popular Machine Gun Kelly has gotten all of a sudden? Have you noticed how the prevailing sound in hip hop right now is this kind of emo y pop punky kind of sound. You know, remember that song uh, Mood by 24k Golden that was on the top of the charts for like a year? You notice that Taylor Swift started making folk music, which is an iteration in many ways, kind of a stripped down version of rock music it's because we're all together on this journey back towards rock being the dominant cultural force and you can see it happening everywhere I mean look at how popular Olivia Rodrigo has gotten this year and her song, Good For You, which is basically an Avril Lavigne song. Um, look at how popular that is. And the reason why I wanted to bring up the Billie Eilish record, too, is because I think we can all agree that she is on the cutting edge of pop music and, and of what's popular. And the album, which is which is fine, it, it's, it's a good album, is... Fairly nondescript for the most part, until near the end with a title track, which erupts into a full-blown stomping rock anthem. Billie Eilish is doing this now too, so we're truly right here on the cusp of rock coming back. And becoming the dominant force in the charts rock bands you know like the return of live music whether that really i mean it's happening but how long it lasts <laughs> we'll have to wait and see of course but keep an eye out because if you want to start a rock band do it right now write a few songs quickly get a demo out, because the boom is about to happen. Oh, well, it's already happening, but it's going to trickle down and soon full on actual bands are going to be able to reap the benefits of this new sudden interest in rock and punk in popular culture. Right now, it's still with the pop stars are kind of taking that sound, but Soon enough, the pendulum will have swung far enough back that you're gonna start to see actual, like, bands popular again. So now's the time, get on board. Anyway, last note is that I think the lead single and opening song of the Willow album, Transparent Soul, is a fucking hit. Huge song that I think is really gonna accelerate this process because it is a straight up pop punk song, but it is so good and so universally catchy that it's gonna really latch on with some people, a lot of people, and it's really gonna push this whole thing forward. So Mentions, Willow, Lately I Feel Everything, and Billie Eilish, Happier Than Ever. Rock is back, baby. And to finish off the mentions for today, this week, this month, this episode, is... Luminolm by Midwife. So Midwife is kind of the one woman project by Madeline Johnson. Um, And it's what she describes as heaven metal, which I think is actually pretty damn good descriptor for the kind of music she makes. Um, It's kind of like a version of dream pop where, you know, instead of the standard template for dream pop, you know, synths and whatnot, if all that was replaced with guitars um, and, you know, kind of down down tunings and and, and slow sludgy trotting beats instead of 808s that's basically the kind of music she makes. So, Luminol is the second record by her sophomore effort Um, and I wanted to bring it up and give it the honorable mention because She's so close, you know? You know when you hear an album and you're like, you are truly on the precipice of greatness, you're not really there yet, but like your next record's gonna be amazing? That's exactly what this album is. This is a classic, your next record is gonna be amazing album. Um, She's got the sound refined, you know? From the first record to this record, she's making a huge leap in really owning the style of music that she makes, for sure. Uh, and the songwriting is getting there, you know? Uh, There's only like six songs in this album, and one of them is kind of a, oddly enough, a cover of an Offspring song that she somehow makes work, which is, you know, a feat enough in and of itself. so she's really close to being able to write good melodies and good hooks. A few of the, a few of these songs are, are 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 good, but they're not quite great yet. But the kind of music that she's making is really unique, and she's really been able to hone this particular sound. So I really feel like the next record by Midwife is going to be killer, classic shit. So, the honorable mention for this month is Illuminol by Midwife. These are the mentions, the, mentions. the mentions. Okay, last part of today's adventure. The number two, number one records for July. Whew. This is another long one. Hope you guys have nothing else to do or are doing something and listening to this while you do it. That's what people who uh, listen to podcasts, that's what you do, right? It's like a background thing. Um, the horns just came in out of nowhere and scared the shit out of me. I think I'm going to leave them in for effect so that you experience what I just experienced. So, moving on. So number two for this month is The House is Burning by Isaiah Rashad. Here we go with another absolutely fantastic hip hop record. Um, So Isaiah is kind of the low key other guy of TDE. You know Kendrick's got all the popularity and acclaim, you know, schoolboys got a lot of that popularity too, you know, he's the cool guy. Um, you know, Scissors, is everyone's angel. Um, and then there's Isaiah. And it's kind of been like, so what's your role in this label? Because T D E is, as we all know at this point, a very meticulous label. You know, they Everyone is there to kind of fill a role, it feels like. Everyone there has their unique sound, their unique style, uh, and you know you can tell they're really business savvy people and, and, and very creative people because they know that they can basically have someone to fill the role of every facet of the hip-hop and R&B world on their label and and they can get dominance through that and they've been pretty good at it so far um but isaiah's always been kind of the odd guy out it's i feel like it's never really been sure where he's fit into the whole pantheon of tde so it's been a long time since we've heard from this guy so i i feel like i might be onto to something with that Um, He emerged with the Sylvia demo back in 2014, which is kind of just like a mixtape of a few songs, and his full-length debut came out in 2016, uh, The Sun's Tirade, which was an interesting album at times, but honestly pretty underwhelming, and I feel like it got kind of lost uh, with all the other stuff that TDD was doing at the time. And that's kind of, you know, a fault to the label. But it's also kind of a fault to Isaiah because he didn't really leave too much of an impression. He He's always had like his stands for sure, you know, people who swear by him, but um, he's never really been able to kind of set himself apart the way that Schoolboy or J-Rock or Kendrick have been able to. So in the five years since that, this guy Cause apparently he's gone through a lot, he's gone broke, he's... like, gone to rehab a few times, he's... he's really been through it the past little while, and it... it it seemed for a while there like he was never really gonna make music ever again. You know, sometimes, I guess, it's just not meant to be for some people. But, you know, he've re-found his footing and he kinda figured his shit out and he's finally back five years later with this new record The House Is Burning and uh, I'm just so happy that he figured it out because this is easily his best album and it finally feels like he's kinda figured out who he is and what he wants to contribute to the hip hop conversation. Um, TD at this point feels like when they make out records they kind of almost make them too big to fail in a way. So you listen to this album and I mean it, it just it sounds like no other hip-hop release at this time and it really reminds you of how much are put in to the records that this label releases. Like this thing is just a massive achievement. It, it, it spans so many different types of sounds and it sounds so huge and alive and and full of different voices and themes and ideas and it's like yeah i can see why you would want to be with these guys because they don't really seem to believe in small ideas Um, you know there's no straightforward beats here there's no everything is big basically it's a very hi-fi album um and Isaiah seems to have kind of settled into the niche of being the young cool Kendrick on drugs type of character Uh, and That's kind of what the album sounds like. Uh, He's not afraid to You know touch on trap as we see with his uh, Lil Uzi Vert uh, collaboration he's um, not afraid to do lots of more traditional R&B type stuff, uh, there's there's tons of uh, R&B singers on this record. Um, but it, it finally sounds unique and like his own kind of sound. It, it's very similar to Kendrick, is he's very close to Kendrick in terms of who he most resembles on the TDE roster, that's for sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot more kind of psychedelic and, uh, you know, more, more almost adventurous in its own way. Um, the one kind of flaw that I have with the album is the processing on Isaiah's vocals on almost every song. Like, he's got some kind of weird effect on his voice where he's being pitched up or down or layered and, 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 and just processed to death to the point where i couldn't really tell you any bars from this album because i don't really know what he's saying a lot of the time because his voice is just processed to hell um i don't know if that's i mean i'm sure it's an artistic thing um or if it's you know kind of him being insecure with his voice and wanting to hide it or Whatever the reason is, I mean, it sounds really cool, for sure. But, again, I'm listening to a rap album. I want to hear what he's rapping about. And given the kind of, you know, hardships that he's been through in the past few years, I can imagine that he's going on about some pretty fucked up shit. And, like, I want to hear about that, because that's going to give a whole new weight to what I'm listening to. But I, I, I can't really pick out what he's saying a lot of the time. And I wish I could, because you know, I'm sure he's got some interesting stuff to say. And I don't really want to have to, like, pull up a lyric sheet and, and, like, actually sit and read along so I know what he's talking about, because that kind of takes away from the experience. But, again, that's basically my only thing I would say is a detriment to the record. It's a it, it, it's killer from start to finish. Um, lots of great features. Every song kind of sounds unique. Um, you know, there aren't too many huge hooks, but lots of great melodies. Um, yeah, it's 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 a very complete project for sure. Just wish I knew what the hell he was talking about. Anyway, at number two, I'd say you know, tied right now with Ma for Hip Hop Record of the Year is Isaiah Rashad with The House Is Burning. I don't know why I said that as a question. The House Is Burning. So, coming in at number one for July, is Celestial Blues by King Woman. So, King Woman is one of many projects by uh, Christina Esfandiari? <laughs> That's Italian. I don't know Italian, and I don't know how to pretend to know Italian. Um, one of her many kind of dark projects that she has in terms of music. She's you know, got an industrial project, an RB project, um but what King Woman is kind of her heavy music outfit. And the kind of music that she plays on Celestial Blues is this really kind of doomy grunge. And it is fucking awesome. Uh Before I get in and kind of speak too much in the album, I just want you to take a quick second, whatever you're doing, I don't care. I don't care if you're piloting a fucking plane. Take your phone out or open your computer and look up the cover to this album because it is so sick. Um, Album cover of the year for me so far, that's for sure. Uh, So sick, right? You're looking at it right now, right? Good. So. This is the second King Woman record, and it is just leaps and bounds better than the last one. Um, She's working with some great uh, session guitarists and session drummers here that really beef her sound up. I mean, it is a solo project in that she writes everything herself, but uh, she does have people help out. You know, I I made a joke about that earlier on the episode. Pretend I remade a joke again here. And what really makes this album special to me is that it marries together my two favorite things in the whole world, which number one being heavy as shit, badassery, and two, amazing songwriting. So from basically start to finish, this album has killer songs. They're memorable, great hooks, Uh, she just sounds amazing, and you can really feel the emotion that she felt while recording this when you listen to it, Uh, the album's inspired by some dark events that happened when she was younger, and by the book uh, Paradise Lost, Um, but you can, you really feel like this is some heavy shit when you're listening to it, Uh, she emotes amazingly, Whether it's through her, you know, grungy singing or when she kind of screams or or shrieks. and She's just so cool in how capable she is at emoting all of this darkness that she feels. Um, The production is incredible. The quiet parts are like... So quiet and the loud parts hit so hard. It's such a dynamic record. It'll have you in a good way, like reaching to turn this part up or reaching to turn that part down. Um, and I say that again in a good way, not like the annoying, like, oh my God, they couldn't get the levels right on this stupid album. But like you want to hear those parts louder and then it comes in so loud. like, ah, it scares the shit out of you. Um, yeah. So, again, front to back, loaded with some absolutely killer songs. Some really, really heavy numbers. uh, But the best songs are the ones that kind of have the heavy parts along with the really catchy parts. Um, For example, Psychic Wound has got to be one of the best songs I've heard this year. Um, Truly just... uh, exemplifies everything that king woman as a band can do uh all the power that chris has in her songwriting and and her singing and, and her screaming it's 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 truly mind-blowing um so th- this really reminds me of like a heavier better whole uh like when Hole would really get going and lean into the you know, heavier, faster paced parts of their sound. It sounds a lot like this, but this is a lot cooler, honestly. And Courtney Love, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a questionable person. But uh, Chris S. whatever last name, she seems awesome. All of her other projects agree to, too, but this one is by far her best. And this album is by far the best King Woman album, of all two of them, in fact. So, number one for the month of July is Celestial Blues by King Woman. How can a woman be a king? Well, you know what? Hey, anything goes, right? It's 2021, let's let's get rid of these shackles of expectations we have. Wow, super long episode, I hope you stuck through it, and I hope your voice, sorry, my voice, hasn't annoyed you like it's certainly been annoying me for this past 72 minutes or so. Thank you so much for tuning in, Um, I know I said last episode that I was considering doing like a mid-month thing. That's probably not going to happen. I just don't have time. So, quick little update on that. Sorry if you were expecting it and hoping for it. But, yeah. This is PH5. I look forward to talking your ear off again in another few weeks. This is Phil May. Thank you so much. Bye bye.